Man, what a great song, Arise My Love. Jesus certainly did, didn't he? We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 this morning. If you'll take your Bible and be turning there, we're actually going to cover the whole chapter. Now, don't get worried, we're not going to stay a long, long time. We'll go fairly quickly through most of it, but uh, we're going to be in Luke 24. I tell you, I want to welcome some folks that I heard about this morning that are joining us from, from other places. And man, I am so, so excited. Uh, part of our family down in Madonna, Georgia, I got a text from my son-in-law this morning. He said, we're going to worship with you today. And that's the Massengale family. And then I got a text from my brother in Alabama. And he said, me and Gene Brock and Hugh Kate, we're all going to join in to be a part of your service. Now, those are guys back from my high school days. And it's great to have you guys joining in with us. And I tell you, Gene, I, I hope you still have that 65 Mustang we used to drive, that black four speed. Man, it's a wonder any of us lived through those days. But God was good. And it's good to have all of you folks joining in with us. Well, church family, let's look together. Luke chapter 24. I want you to turn to the very end of this chapter. Now, in a moment, we'll go back to the first verse. But I want to read for our text this morning, verse beginning in verse number 50. Jesus now has been resurrected. He's going out with His disciples to the Mount of Olives. He's getting ready to ascend back to heaven. And He led them out as far as Bethany, and He lifted up His hands and blessed them. If you remember last week from our studies in our devotions, that's where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived in Bethany. So Jesus is back in that area. It says in verse 51, It came to pass when He blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Verse 52, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God and blessing God. Amen. Now we're going to come back to that last verse at the end because there's a powerful word there. But I want to go back to beginning. Chapter 24, verse number 1. As you know that you've been following us, we've been in a series of sermons on who I am in Christ. Text being Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. We've covered all of those things. I'm chosen, I'm predestined, I'm in the beloved on all of those things. Well, today we conclude that series and we're seeing in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, that I am alive Yes, that's right. That's who you and I are in Christ. We are alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins before Jesus saved us. But when He saved us, we became a part now of His resurrection. Because He lives, we live. Because He is alive, we are alive. And so on this Easter Sunday, we can say for certain and for sure that we are alive in Jesus. That's who I am in Christ. Now, chapter 24, it says in the first verse, 
On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, certain women came to the tomb bringing spices which they had prepared. I want us to think about that for a moment. Jesus raised from the tomb. You remember last week in our devotions, we realized that Mary of Bethany had anointed Jesus for his burial. Well, here's the reason why. The Spirit of God moved upon her heart to do that because God knew that there would not be a chance to anoint him if she didn't do it then because three days later when they come back to the tomb, there's no chance to anoint him then because he's living. He is alive and he's resurrected. So in verses 1 to 8, we see in this scripture that Jesus has been raised from the dead. But in verses 9 to 12, we see that now they leave Joseph's tomb. We studied that last week, how that Jesus Christ was taken down from the cross by Joseph of Arimathea and by Nicodemus. And he was taken and laid in Joseph's tomb. As Isaiah 53 said, buried in a rich man's tomb. That was Joseph's tomb, a new tomb no one had ever laid there. And there was Jesus buried. Now, now these women leave the tomb. They have heard the announcement, He is not here, He is risen. The first testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was given not by these women at the tomb, but by the angels of God who were at the tomb. Two men stood there and they said to these women, Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Now right there's a sermon in itself, isn't it? What a powerful thought. They had come to the graveyard. They were looking there at the graveyard, but there was no Jesus there. He had been resurrected. My brother Barry and I, we grew up living at the foot of a hill right below a cemetery. In fact, we would go up there and we would mow that cemetery on, uh, during the summer times and we'd get paid for it. That was our little part-time job. But I'm telling you, a cemetery can be sort of a spooky and haunting place. What a word we have here from these angels. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Jesus is alive and so are you, so am I. We are alive in Christ. Well, then in verse 13 through 35 of this chapter, Jesus comes down to Emmaus. And he begins to meet with a couple of disciples that are walking on the Emmaus road. And he begins to talk with these disciples. Now, there are several things about these disciples and several things about this encounter on the Emmaus Road that I, I want to look at and I want to think about here just for a second with you, if you will. These disciples on the Emmaus Road did not believe that Jesus was resurrected. If you read this scripture very closely, these disciples are saying to Jesus, Have you not heard what happened in these days in Jerusalem? 
They took Jesus, that great prophet, that man who came and gave us hope, while we thought that this man was going to break the yoke of the Romans and get them off of our back. But no, he was crucified. He was dead. They put him in a tomb. You mean to tell me, who are you that you have not heard these things? All of a sudden, the scripture says that Jesus began to talk with them. And as they were telling Jesus about this, that they stopped in their tracks and the scripture says they were sad. They were sad and they were gloomy. Do you know that on this Easter morning when you and I are rejoicing, the lost world is sad? They may try to go about saying it's Easter and what a wonderful day it is, but to the world out there, Easter Sunday is a holiday. It's paid vacation. It's a time off from work. They don't rejoice in the resurrection of Christ, they can't. Because the lost world has never been made alive through Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the tomb. And so these men were sad. It represents how sad the world is. They thought Jesus was dead. Their all hope were gone. They still did not believe. I believe these men probably thought like many of the Romans thought, like Herod and others thought, and Pilate, maybe someone has come along and they have stolen the body of Jesus. They have hidden that body so they could make the claim that he rose from the grave. And so Jesus has a powerful, powerful time with these disciples. Finally, Jesus reveals himself to them. He begins to speak to them about how that the, that the prophets, how Moses, how Psalms had written about him. And he begins to share that word with them. And he goes in and begins to break bread. And as he breaks bread, they realize it's the risen Christ. And then he vanishes out of, our, out of their sight. Did you know, friend, that there is a clue to you and I, a, a powerful word to you and I, how different the glorified body of Jesus is from the physical body of flesh and blood that he had when he was on earth. He can now, in that glorified body, just appear and disappear. I get excited about that because one of these days, you and I are going to have a glorified body. We're not going to be limited by space and time. We're not going to be limited in moving slow or having aches and pains. Our glorified body will be able to trans, uh, transfer from the new heavens and the new earth back and forth in just a moment, in just an instant, because John says we're going to be like Jesus Christ in that glorified body. We'll jump down to verse 36 for a moment. Jesus comes to reveal himself to his 11 disciples. You remember that Judas is no longer there. Judas, who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, betrayed the Christ, went out and took his own life, so he's not with them. So it's just the 11 that are assembled together. 
And Jesus comes to the 11 disciples and he shows himself to them. Now here's what's interesting. Jesus appearing right there to these 11 disciples, they still do not believe that it's him. They do not believe in the resurrection quite yet. They're looking, they're amazed, they're they're trying to figure this out. And Jesus sort of looks at them and says to them, do you, do you think that I'm a ghost? Do you think that I'm a spirit? Do you not realize that I am resurrected here from the grave? Don't you get it, guys? He said, let, let me prove it to you. Does a spirit have flesh and bone as you see that I have? Come and touch my hands. Put your finger there. See that it is I. Oh, by the way, give me, give me some of that fish you're eating. Give me something to eat. Can a spirit eat? I will prove to you that it is me and that I am resurrected from the grave in this glorified body. We see all that taking place in verse 39 and 40. And sure enough, they now are able to see and able to understand. Jesus has convinced them that it is Him and that He has been resurrected from the tomb. If you remember, that is a powerful, powerful story that we have in Scripture and God uses in a great way in our hearts and lives. Well, then I want to jump down for a moment in verse 46 to 48. Notice those for a moment. It says in verse 46, Then he said to them, This it is written, Thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Notice Jesus said it was necessary that this happened. Did you know, friend, you could not be a Christian today had Jesus not died on the cross for you and had been risen and raised from the grave, you and I could not have been saved. That absolutely had to happen. I am only alive in Christ today because Jesus lives and He lives in my heart, He lives in my life, and He has saved me. That's the whole essence of the gospel. Roman, or 1 Corinthians 15 gives it to us like this. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and rose the third day according to the scriptures. And so the gospel message is that Jesus died, was resurrected from the ground. Scripture prophesied it and you and I have been gloriously saved Because of Christ. Verse 46 to 48, he says to the disciples, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into all of the world. I want you to begin in Jerusalem, and then go to Judea, and then go to Samaria, and go all over the world 
telling them that I died on the cross for them. I paid for their sin. I was resurrected and I've ascended back to the Father. And someday I'm coming again. You go into all the world and you preach that gospel and you tell that gospel to every person you see and encounter. That is my commission. My my friend, do you find that incredible? That was the last words that Jesus gave his disciples. He said, "This this is what I want the church to do. This is what I want every Christian to do. I want every believer, everyone who knows that I have have come into their life, everyone that knows that they're alive because of me, I want every one of, of you to make it your life's purpose, your life's aim, your life's focus, your life's ambition to take my gospel and spread it all over the world until I come back again. My friend, you will never improve on that word from Jesus. You will never improve on that commission. That is it in a nutshell. End of story. Anything you and I spend our time doing is second nature to that primary focus that Jesus Christ gave us and gave his disciples, that great commission. Then we come to verse 49. And verse 49, a powerful, powerful word. He says to them, I will send the promise of my Father upon you when you tarry there in Jerusalem. You see, Jesus was saying to his disciples, unless I fill you with the power of my Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to take the gospel to the whole world. It's my word. It's my gospel. It's about me and my resurrection. And as I'm going back to the Father, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit's going to fill you. He's going to indwell your life. And when the Holy Spirit indwells you, He's going to give you power. And that power that He will give you is going to enable you to take the gospel around the whole world. Now get up, guys, and get busy about doing that. My friend, I will tell you on this Easter Sunday morning, there's no greater reminder than you and I could have than to be reminded of our mission. I'm not speaking about our mission simply here as the Church of Elizabeth Chapel. I'm speaking about my personal mission, your personal mission, our personal mission as an individual is to take the gospel everywhere. That commission and that charge was given to Simon Peter. It was given to James. It was given to John. It was given to Paul. It was given individually to all of those men. It was given to Philip, all of them. And they took the gospel and they shed that word, shared that word with people around the world. You know, we've now almost covered the complete chapter of the Gospel of Luke. By the way, uh, some of the points of this outline I borrowed from J. Vernon McGee. Man, that guy is a great preacher, isn't he? And he outlined many of these things in this chapter that we're looking at. And I tell you, boy, it's a, it's a blessing. But I want you to look at the last thing for a moment, verse number 50 to 53, our text. 
Jesus has taken them out to the Mount of Olives. He has ascended and gone into heaven. Now here's what's interesting. Luke, in chapter number 1, Luke picks up right here in Luke's uh, in, in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, he picks up right here at the Ascension. Next Sunday morning, we're going to begin a series on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at many, many phases about the return of Jesus because that's what is happening here. Jesus is ascending back to the Father, but he's promising the disciples... I'm going to come again. Now, until I come again, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into all the world and take the gospel to every person living on planet Earth. That's your responsibility. But I want you to notice, in beginning in verse 50 again, he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Jesus blessed the disciples. And I've been praying a blessing over our church all, all these weeks that we've not been able to meet, meet together. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not Jesus. I'd rather Jesus bless us all in person, wouldn't you? But I'm his under-shepherd. And as his under-shepherd, he's given me a responsibility to pray for you and to pray a blessing on you and a blessing over you that God will keep you and that God will be near to you. And I do that every single week. Verse 51, it says, It came to pass when he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Now, I want you to notice verse 52, right? Here's the, here is the kicker. Here's where the rubber meets the road, Gene Brock. Man, we wore out a bunch of your tires, didn't we? Well, here it is. They worshiped him. They returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Did you notice that? They worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Let me tell you something, friend. This is the first time that the disciples had joy in their heart since they heard the news that Jesus was going to die and that Jesus was going to leave them. I want you to turn with me for a moment to uh, the book of John, chapter number 16. Now, now we're almost finished, so you're going to be able to, to get in your car and go drive through McDonald's or Arby's here in a minute. But I want you to stay with me for a moment. Look closely here at John, chapter 16. I want you to notice verse 5. Here is Jesus some days before his arrest his trial, his crucifixion, and his burial. Some days before, he, he tries to prepare his disciples, and he, he's saying to them, I, I want you to know something, man. I, I love you so much, but I want you to know this. Verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Now that's an interesting statement, isn't it? Jesus is saying to them, I'm, I'm going away, but none of you guys are asking me, 
Where are you going? It's almost like you're, you're blocking that out of your mind. I'm telling you this, but you don't want to hear it. I'm saying to you, and I'm preparing you for my departure from this earth, but you don't want to receive it. You're, you're trying to keep me here. You're actually interfering with the plan and purpose of God for me, and you don't even know it. Verse 6, but because I said this to you, sorrow has filled your heart. You see, the disciples were very sorrowful that Jesus was leaving. They were disappointed. They thought, like those Emmaus Road disciples, they thought like many others, Jesus is going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to put all of our enemies under our feet. He's going to rule here in Jerusalem and be the king that has been promised to us by all of those prophets in the Old Testament. What they did not realize is all of those prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying about the second coming of Christ. This ruling and reigning from Jerusalem's coming later. They did not understand that. And so they were sorrowful in their heart. Go down to verse number 20. He says, and most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. What a message for our world today. What a message for those of you sitting at home listening today, for us as a people of God, for a lost world, how that Jesus summed up his resurrection. He summed up his crucifixion, his resurrection in, in these two words, the word sorrow and joy. And he said to us, those of my people, those that are living in the world today, everybody living is going to come to a conclusion about the resurrection. And it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be sorrow or it's going to be joy. He said for the world, it's going to be sorrow. It's going to be sorrow because the world has no hope. Their only hope is in this life, and then when they die, they have no hope. And he said, for that, the world is sorrow. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, don't you sorrow as those who have no hope? When he was talking about his return, he said, have joy and rejoice. He looked at his disciples and he said, right now you're having sorrow the reason you're sorrowful is that when they put me on the cross, you're going to go hide. Nobody's going to be able to find you. And you're going to be hiding out all alone. You're going to think it's all over. But I'm going to appear to you. I'm going to come to that room where you're hiding. I'm going to reveal myself to you as the resurrected Savior and the resurrected Lord. That's what he did toward the end of this chapter 24 in Luke. And he said, at that time, I'm going to find you. You're going to be sorrow. You're going to be down in the mouth. You're going to think life is hopeless. But all of a sudden, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to encourage you. And then I'm going to take you out to the Mount of Olives, that place that we've been so many times. And I'm going to stand on that Mount of Olives. And as you watch, 
I'm going to ascend into the clouds out of your sight in this glorified body back to my Father in heaven. And he said to them, now when that happens, at that moment, your sorrow is going to be turned to joy. And that's exactly what happens in this verse at the end of Luke. Their sorrow was turned to joy. These men came back to Jerusalem. They knew that their Christ, their Lord, their Savior had been resurrected from the dead. It's almost like they were running, jumping, and clicking their heels together. They were praising God, and they were shouting, and they were saying, It is true, it is true, it is true. Jesus has risen from the dead, and we too are alive in Christ. My friend, what a word for this Easter Sunday. What a word that we can share with others. I am chosen. I am predestined. I am with the beloved. I am forgiven. All of those I ams that we have covered in Ephesians 1 and 2. And now we can add to what we are in Christ. I am alive because of Jesus, and I am alive forevermore. I'm never going to die. When my body ceases to exist in this life, I'm going straight to heaven to be with Jesus. And so are you if you know Christ as your Savior. If you're listening today, friend, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the only thing you can have this morning on this Easter Sunday is sorrow. You're scared to death because of what's going on in our world. Your life is filled with sorrow. It's filled with pain. It's filled with so much uncertainty. But did you know today you can have Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior? Would you bow with me this morning? Would you be willing to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin? To realize that his hands were pierced, his side was pierced. The crown of thorns was placed upon his head. He died for your sins on Calvary that you might be saved. Would you turn your life over to Christ? Surrender your life to Jesus. Give him first place. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Promise to live for Him and serve Him the rest of your life. And then when we start going back to church again, go to a local church and go down the aisle and say to the preacher, I want to be baptized and let everybody know that now I'm a Christian. I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord by watching a preacher online. My friend, Jesus will save you if you call upon him. And your sorrow can be turned to joy. Would you bow with me for a moment as we pray? And you ask Jesus to save you. Just acknowledge to Jesus that you're a sinner. Do it like this. I am a sinner. Oh God, my sins crucified your son upon the cross. My iniquity... I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to change my heart and life forever. 
that I will never be the same again. I want to be one of these the preacher's talking about today. I want to be alive in Christ today. And friend, if you do, Jesus will save you. Father, save those that believe. Save those who call upon your name as they trust you, as they depend upon you this day as their Savior and Lord. We honor and praise you, Lord, for your resurrection as we celebrate you on this Easter Sunday. Amen. Thank you for joining in with us and and being a part of our service today. Now remember, Elizabeth Chapel family, uh, be sure to put your offering in in the mailbox, box 56. Keep sending it. Keep sending it. God, it's a powerful testimony what our church is doing in these days of being apart. Continuing to give our offering, continuing to work in the community, serve food, going by, visiting people in their driveway. You don't have to go in the house. Just stop by, say hello, let them see your smiling face, and let folks know that you are looking forward to the day that we come back together as a church. Listen to the final song these men sing about our blessed Messiah, the Lord Jesus who lives and He reigns. We'll see you next Sunday at 10 o'clock right here as we begin this new series of sermons on the second coming of Jesus Christ. God bless you and have a blessed week.